Our granddaughter, Vera, not quite two years old, this week, she, uh, not that she does ever anything wrong, but apparently her mother felt the need to discipline her this week. Apparently her mother got a wild hair, I don't know, just <laughs> something. And Vera, Vera looks at Whitney and says, Mommy, I'm a princess. <laughs> like... Do you understand? You don't punish princesses. <laughs> but it's like we, so it reminds me like this spiritual battle that we're in. We have this delusion that because Jesus loves us and, and, and he has all these good feelings towards us and God's on our side, that everything's just going to be peace, love, and harmony the rest of our life. Well, just... Just as much as there is a God that loves you and, quote, unquote, has a wonderful plan for your life, there is a Satan that hates you and has a terrible plan for your life. You're welcome. Aren't you glad we're not stopping there this morning? But we do have an enemy who wishes us nothing but evil. You understand that? And those that you love. And your plans and your aspirations and your goals and your even, even your desire to do the right thing. You have this enemy that is against all of that. Last week we learned that the idea of standing firm is this idea of obedience and living under this umbrella, if you will. And if, we, and if we do what we know we're supposed to do and we live our lives according to the way that we are supposed to be living our lives, we get this protection, we get this empowerment. And the greatest weapon that we have in this warfare is not what we say to the devil, it is how we live our life based on what we know is right. We are Christians. We ought to be living this Christ life. Living in an, in an obedient way, a scripturally based, spirit-filled life places us in the position of being held by the Holy Spirit. I mean, he wants to help us in this life. Rather than quenching and grieving the Holy Spirit, he is able then to strengthen us when we live in obedience to him. So that kind of brings us up to where we are this morning where we're going to put on the first piece of armor. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, just the first part of the verse says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. I kind of like the way the King James says it. It says it this way. It says, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Because the idea is that it's something that goes around your midsection. It strengthens your core. Figuratively speaking, fastening the belt means you are ready for action. Whereas taking the belt off means you're ready to take it easy. And there's, there's such a different mentality there. So what is implied here, which is interesting, is that you have to fasten your own belt. Wrapping it around yourself, no one else can do that for you. So here's, here's the whole truth about the armor. My armor is my responsibility. And that's a big deal. Because I can't put it on for you. I love the fact that you love our church. I love the fact that you come 
And a lot of people come to church and they feel that because they heard a good message or they heard the truth that they're okay and now they're equipped for warfare. But, but simply hearing does not put it on you. Like, no more than this is on you right now. You, you observe it, you can see it, but that doesn't mean it's yours. It doesn't mean you've applied it. It doesn't mean you've put it on. You have to make up your mind to apply the truth that you learn. It truly is a choice with a capital C. You decide to be a totally committed follower of Christ and do what God says and know God for what he has done. It's like if I, if I take my car down to the garage and it's acting funny. And I take it to the garage and they say, sure, we can, here's your problem, right? It needs this part and we have the part right here. And I put it in the garage, but I don't allow them to put the part on. And then I walk away. I would drive away. Shut up. And I drive away and my car is still doing the same thing and I get mad at the garage because my car is not fixed. <laughs> you didn't let them put the part on. You, you didn't apply what was needed. And we go through this life like just thinking that attendance is all that's required. It's so much more than that. It is applying what you hear. It's putting on the armor of God. So here's where we are this morning. You got, this is, this is a, uh, a pretty close representation of what I think Paul was probably talking about. No offense to Carl over here. That's, that's you know, a medieval costume. This is more closely resembling the Roman garment that probably Paul was referring to. And the first thing that a Roman soldier would put on, of course, this is his tunic, and then he would put on, and really he very rarely took this off. It was something he... He, he had on almost all the time, even when he would relax. But this is very similar to what he would put on. And the soldier's belt, this is kind of in your notes here, was the first piece of equipment that the soldier put on and was the central piece that held the rest of the armor in place. It was not for show. It was, it was an essential part of his armor. And there would have been a way to identify the soldier on his, on, on his belt. There was insignias that would identify what his position or rank was. There were also hooks and different ways to attach different paraphernalia to the belt. For example, there was a, there was a hook that held the scabbard that would hold the dagger that he would wear. There was a, there was a place to hold quivers uh, a quiver that would hold either lances or arrows. There was, there was an apparatus that he would rest the large shield upon. Um, there were other clips on here that would hold the breastplate of righteousness, we're going to call it, in place. So it was a central part. There was even, there was even little places to put pouches that would, you would put either flour or oil or different things that you would eat there. Would, so it was a very utilitarian belt that he was putting on. And you cannot do battle. You can't stand up in battle without putting on first the belt of truth. So what does that mean practically? Let me just jump right into this here. When you're threatened by discouragement, when you are depressed or you have anxiety or apathy or coolness towards God, you fight back with the truth that you know about God. 
When you are tempted to live or act in a way that you know is unpleasing towards him, rather than staying in that behavior, rather than living in that sin, we respond to what the truth actually is. And that's how we stand. That is putting on the truth. When we, when we came to Christ, you found the truth. You might be familiar with that verse that says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You found the truth when you came to Christ. And yet so many times we feel like once we get that, we're good. But it is continually applying the truth that you learn about God that makes the difference in the warfare that we are in. Please remember this, that Satan is a liar. And what he tells you is not the truth. He will deceive you. He will twist words. He will convince you that because you feel like this is the right thing to do, that it's okay to do it. He will convince you that because it's convenient, that, it, that God will understand. You have to understand, truth is truth. It doesn't matter if we like it. It doesn't matter if it makes it, truth is truth. It is what it is. Satan is a liar, so we must oppose, we must oppose that liar with the truth from God. First Peter said this in chapter 1, verse 13. Interesting passage of scripture. We're just going to read this one thing. Not only are we supposed to gird up our loins like this, but he also says this in First Peter. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Now, that's really interesting. If you look at the Amplified Version, and the Amplified Version of Scripture just takes words and makes them bigger. Like, it, 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 like, like this is, well, I'll, I'll tell you what the Amplified Version of this, you know, seven or eight word passage is. It says this, it says, Wherefore, having put out of the way once for all everything that would impede the free action of your mind. So the idea is that when we gird up the loins of our mind, we are, we are getting everything out of the way that prevents us from moving and thinking correctly. The word truth that we see here in, in Ephesians and here in Peter, 1 Peter, is the word aletheia. And I love this word so much. It is the Greek word aletheia, which of course is translated truth, but it's not just truth. It is truth regarding any matter under consideration. So it has this, it has this meaning. Like if you go to a courtroom and somebody is asked to give a testimony because that lawyer feels like the testimony they're going to give is going to shed some light on the event that's in the consideration. And so they get up on the witness stand, they raise their hand, they promise to tell the truth, they promise to tell the truth. They're bringing truth into this situation and they're going to shed light on what is being considered. And so what Paul is telling us is that when you put on the belt of truth, when you gird up your loins with truth, what you are doing is you are shedding the light of God's word and what you know about God into this situation so that you can see it more clearly. So, Eric, I don't know if it's right that I'm doing this. I don't know if it's right that I'm living this way. Let's see what God says. Right? Let's bring some light in on the situation. 
I feel God's really mad at me because I'm living this. Let's, let's see what God says. Rather than basing it on the feelings that we have, basing it on what we think, let's just find out what we know about God. Let's find out what we, what we want. Because here's the thing. I would rather at least know what the truth is so I'm not susceptible to the deceit of the liar. I feel this way, we might say, but God says this, right? One of, one of my, one of my all-time, I can say my favorite story, but remarkable. One of, one of the most remarkable stories I've ever heard is my pastor in Texas told a story. He had a pilot that attended his church, and that pilot said, I feel God wants me to leave my wife and marry this flight attendant. And the pastor looked at him and says, God does not want you to do that. He said, oh, I feel like he does. I've prayed about it. I feel like that's what God wants me to do. He said, I can tell you that that's not what God wants you to do because the Bible says we don't do that, right? It's easy for us to see a circumstance like that and say, that silly guy, but we do the same thing, right? I feel like I can do this. I feel, okay, let's look at it positively. I'm discouraged. I don't think God is treating me fair. You know better. You know the character of God better than that. Your understanding of God's behavior does not mean he's not good. It just means you don't understand how he's being good in this situation. I will say this, and this is a really important thing that I wanted to bring out. Sometimes truth comforts. Sometimes truth corrects. But truth is truth. Sometimes we need to be comforted with the truth that God, I'm really going through a tough time, but I know you love me. I feel worse about what I have done. I can't get over the guilt. I feel so terrible about this in my life. But there is hope. God does love you. God sees the end of all of this. God sees where you can go. God sees where you, where you can end up. That's truth. That's, that's comfort. But sometimes truth corrects, and truth doesn't feel good. That's why I love what they said about Jesus, that he was full of grace and truth. Isn't that beautiful? And I note that he put grace first. I'm just saying, I thought that was cool. I'm sure it's more than just alphabetical. He put grace and truth. So what is truth, Eric? Like how do we figure out what, what is the truth that we need, to be, we need to be putting around us, what we need to base our life off of? Where does it come from? Truth is everything God is. It is what God has done and it is what God has said. That's it. Well, what about science, Eric? Okay, truth is everything God is. And I hate to tell you this, but if science disagrees with God, then science is wrong. If you're a flat earther, I'm sorry. (laughs) So if I want to find out what the source of the truth is, I need to go back and find out what God says about it. 
Or I need to look back on my experiences with him and see what God has done. John 8, verse 32, I love this. It says, and you shall know the truth. And what will the truth do? It'll set you free. Here's what we need. We need need the truth to illuminate the situation. We need the truth to clarify the decision. We need to know what the truth is so that we can believe correctly about ourselves, about the way that we're living, and about how we should be looking at this world and the life that we're living. We need to know what the truth is. And that's why Paul put this in the order that it was supposed to go on the Roman soldier, and the first thing he would do is put on that belt of truth. Because if you're believing a lie this morning, then everything that you do from that point on is going to be wrong. You have to know what God says, and you have to believe what God has done. So here's how you can be clothed with truth. How do we fasten this up? Let's think some practical things. First of all, commit yourself to the truth. All right, Eric, that makes sense to me. I'm going to commit myself to what? How about this? Discovering the truth, uncovering the truth, learning the truth, and applying the truth. I know that's a lot there. But this is, this is what's necessary. So, so, so you coming to church, all right, so you hear it. Maybe you, maybe, you, maybe you discover the truth. All right, then you, then maybe you uncover it by doing a little bit of digging and actually trying to, to look up some information and trying to, to get into God's word a little bit. Maybe you uncover it by, by, by praying and listening to what the character of God is about. So you discover it, you uncover it, and you learn what the truth is. And then you apply it. You actually begin to do what you know the truth is. You know what would be beautiful? Is if we just would do what we know we're supposed to do and let God figure out the finances. If we would just do what we know God wants us to do and let him him figure out what happens in that relationship. Here's the, the, it's, it's almost like in our lives we live with God in the back seat and we only ask his opinion when we've completely messed everything up. And doesn't it make more sense to live a life where you are learning what the truth is rather than kind of trying to hide it because you don't want God to make you change your behavior? Right? That's how we tend to live. Truth can correct, but truth can comfort as well. Commit yourself to learning what God has done so you know what his character is like and commit yourself to learning what God has said and then begin to apply it. So commit yourself to the truth. And then second of all, sell out to who God is. Now this, I really really struggled with, with putting this up here because I have... I have the tendency to, to try and guess how you're going to respond to what I say, right? That's, it's what goes through my brain while I'm writing sermons. It's like I, I try and I don't try. It just happens Like because I'm, I'm a people pleaser by nature. So I'm like I'm thinking about what you're thinking about, about what I'm saying. Yeah, welcome to my world. 
So I'm thinking if I say sell out to who God is, you're going to get the idea that just complete blind abandonment. I don't care about anything else. I'm just supposed to do what I'm saying. I'm not saying sell out to who Eric is. Did you hear me? I'm not saying sell out to who Virginia Hills Church is. I'm saying sell out to who God is. And when you know what God's character is and when you, know, when you know what he has said and when you know what his track record is, it's not as hard as you might think to sell out who God is. Because first of all, he is good. And he is just. And thirdly, he loves me. And if you can wrap your brain around those three characteristics of God, that he is good. Yeah, but Eric, you don't understand this is happening in my life right now, and it is not fun. It is more than I can bear. It is more difficult, but I, <laughs> he is good. He is, sell out to that. All right, God, you're good. I just don't get it right now. Hey, you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the fact that I don't always understand how this, it, now, now let me tell you this. I believe God can make whatever happens to us turn out for good. But it doesn't mean that what I'm going through has to feel good for God to be good. God is good. God is good. Not only that, he's just. That doesn't mean life is always going to feel fair, right? But God is just. And here's my favorite. He loves me. And so think about this. If he loves you and he's good, that means that whatever is happening to you is just. What? I don't know. I'm just, I'm sold out here. I believe this with all my heart. That I don't understand it. I can't figure it out. It goes back to the sermon a couple of weeks ago. Sometimes we pray and we don't even, we don't even know where to start because we just disagree with God. But start there. I truly believe, no matter what happens, in God's goodness. I truly believe that. I don't believe as firmly in my understanding. And understand this, your understanding doesn't have to precede God's goodness. Your understanding is not a requirement for you to believe that God is good. I wish we would let that sink in because God is good. In light of eternity, God is good. So here's the big question to ask yourself. What is God's opinion on the matter? So what are you going through? What are you trying to decide right now? Because like I know that, that all of us got stuff we're working on. All of us have things that we don't understand. Or all of us have things that we know we're not supposed to be doing. And we're doing them. And so here's, here's the truth. What is God's opinion about the matter? What do you know about what God has said? What do you know about what God has done? What do you know about the character of God? As you shed that truth onto that situation, how does it change how you view it? How does it, how does it change what's happening? And by the way, feeling good about something doesn't have an impact on whether or not God is being good. But we have a loving God. And here's the, here's the thing. And I know we have hurting people in here today. And I want to assure you that God hurts with you. And it's not like God is doing this to you. It could just be a crappy thing that's happened that somebody else did. But God is good. 
even if the thing doesn't feel good. And my, my suggestion to do is let's, let's let God shed his light on this. Let's, let's see what God's opinion of the matter is. Just like that word aletheia. All right, God, give a witness. How is this good? How is, what is your opinion about the matter? How do you feel about this situation? The devil is the great deceiver. I believe that. And one of his greatest weapons is getting you to believe a lie. He worked in the Garden of Eden, and it has worked ever since. So, know the truth. The Apostle John was writing one of his books. He wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. The 3rd John is a very short book written to a gentleman by the name of Gaius who was, who was a believer. And he is complimenting Gaius about, the, about believing the truth and walking in the truth. A friend of John's. And he says this in verse 4 of 3 John. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And he had just complimented him, Gaius, for walking in the truth and believing in the truth. And, there is, and the reason this is such a significant verse is because this is where it all begins, is believing and understanding what the truth is. And that's what we got to put it on. But here's the thing. I, I, I can't put it on for you. You have to discover it and uncover it and learn it and apply it yourself. You can come to a great church service like this and be like, wow, that was, that was good stuff, Eric. Okay, let's not leave it here, right? Let's, let's, let's take the truth Ask God how he feels about this situation. Read what he says about the way that we're living and live in obedience so we get the help of the Holy Spirit in the life that we're living in this battle that we are in. It's a real thing. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for truth. Sometimes it comforts us. Sometimes it corrects us. Thank you for being a good God, a just God, and for loving us. God, I just pray that we as a church, as a, as a group of Jesus followers, would be committed to living our lives and patterning our lives after the truth as you reveal it to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.